I appreciate the elders asking me to speak tonight. I'll be speaking on a subject, who will be responsible if I'm lost? There's always somebody that is responsible for everything that is done. A few years ago, I worked at Pack Car in Madison, Tennessee. Pack Car was a division that made Peterbilt trucks and Kenworth trucks. Those semis rode off the line one every 15 minutes. But they were someone responsible for every job that was done on that assembly line. I began working on the frame line, and the frames, they start the trucks upside down. That's the way they start them. The axles were set, the frames were set, the brakes was put on the axles, and so forth, and it got on down the line. I was the one that was called the tightener. I tightened the shocks, the axles, the spring hangers, the drive shafts, tightened all that down. But there was a responsibility that I had. If I didn't tighten those certain boats, then when that truck got to the end of the line, then they would send it outside, and then you would have to go out there and hunt it through the night till you found that truck and drive it back, and then you would have to tighten all the boats that you failed to tighten. So you knew that you was responsible for a job. You wanted to do that job right. And we are responsible for our souls. We realize that, that people are going to be lost. There are people in this world that I would like to tell you that think that they're going to be saved, but actually they're not. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, which leadeth to destruction. Many there be which enter in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Now the Bible, this is what the Lord's Word is, tells us that the majority of this world is going to be lost. But if you go around and you were to take a survey and you were to ask people, are you in a saved condition? Are you going to heaven when you die? Well, most people would tell you, yes, I'm, I'm saved. I'm going to be saved in God's heaven. But the Bible tells us that the majority of this world will be lost. And I believe the Bible, and I'm sure that you do too, because this is the Lord's Word. It's not man, but this is the Lord's Word, that the majority of this world is going to be lost. But who's going to be responsible for the lost? Man believes he's okay. There are people today that live good moral lives that believe that their morality is going to save them. They feel like they're going to be saved. But actually... Morality doesn't save anyone. There was a man named Nicodemus. That man could have been saved because he was a sincere and a good man. But he was a lost man. Morality would not have saved him. But when he became a Christian, that put him in a saved condition. The people on the day of Pentecost, as Peter preached to in Acts chapter 2 at verse 38, those people obeyed the plan of salvation. That plan of salvation over 2,000 years ago is still the same plan that man has to obey today in order to be saved. 
Now everyone wants to be saved in God's heaven with the redeemed of all ages. There's not anyone in this world that wants to be lost. But I've talked to people about their salvation. I talked to one man not too long ago, and he told me, Randall, I know that what you're telling me is the truth, but I'm not going to church. I'm not going to uh, obey the gospel, so you're wasting your time. So I ended my conversation. The man died in December. I felt sorry for the man, but I explained to him the truth. There are people in this world that you can talk to, but they won't accept the plan of salvation. Salvation is here. It's for you and I. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. God gave heaven's very best for our redemption. Now it's up to man to obey the plan of salvation. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, as was read earlier, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's mankind. Mankind is lost. He enters this world and he lives to the age of accountability. He is a free moral agent. He can do as he pleases. He can obey the gospel. But he is responsible for his soul when he dies. Everyone is going to die one day. There's three terrible aspects of being lost. Number one, the loss will be forever lost. Think about it. People that are in hell are going to be in hell forever. There's no redemption in hell. There's no sermons to hear preached. There's no invitations to obey. Man will be forever lost. He has no way out. He will be punished with everlasting fire. Also, hell is a place of outer darkness. I don't know about you, but darkness is something that no one likes. Think of it. If you held your hand up in front of you and you could not see it, that would be outer darkness. I don't know if you've ever talked to a blind man, but he can't see anything. And that's one thing that he wished he could do was see. And I know that for a fact. My daddy was blind. He could not see. He was injured in an accident at the concrete block company. Blood clots moved behind his eyes. He wasn't able to see. I led him by the hand. I would tell him how many steps to take. Being blind, being in outer darkness where you cannot see light ever and ever, no hope, Another aspect of being lost is that you're going to endure the tortures of hell forever. Forever. There's not going to be any breaks. There's no such thing as day or night. Listen to what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. 
This is what Paul wrote. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in all of his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. People are going to be punished forever and forever. They're going to be punished away from the Lord. And man is going to endure punishment. I don't think anyone likes punishment here. No one likes pain. No one would like to be punished. Why would anyone want to be lost in a place of punishment forever and forever? The Bible tells us that hell is a place where there is going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a lake of fire. You ever think about a fire that does not put out light? A fire that doesn't have light? A place of total darkness where people are running, right? they're screaming, they're wanting out, but there's no way out. There's no relief. Hell is a real place. This Bible tells us that the majority of this world is going there. That's not what I think, but that's what the Word of the Lord says. And we have to believe that because that's the truth. I don't have a plan of salvation. The Lord has a plan of salvation, and His plan is the only plan that will save man. Through hearing the Word, believing it, to be the truth, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ, and being baptized for the mission of your sins, that is the plan of salvation. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life, Revelation 2.10. Now that's the Lord's plan, and that's the only plan. There are men today that have different thoughts. There are men today that will tell you there are such things as You can be a good moral person, that's fine. But that's not the plan of salvation. That doesn't save man. There are people out there today that say that you can lay your hand on radio, TV, you can say a certain prayer and you're fine. That's nowhere written in God's Word, but that's man. We're not going to be saved by man's plan. We're going to be saved by the Lord's plan. There's not but one plan of salvation, and that's the Lord's plan. As being accountable, there was some talented men. We read about in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. The Lord came to three men. He gave one five talents. He gave another two. He gave another one. And you know, as well as I do, that parable, the one that had five talents, he went out, he put his talents to work, he gained other five talents, and when the Lord came back, he said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. The man that had two talents done likewise. The man that had one talent, he went out, he digged, he buried it in earth, 
And when the Lord come back, in other words, you go out and dig it up and bring it back and say, Lord, here it is. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything right. I didn't lose it. I've still got it. You know what the Lord called him? He called him a slothful servant. I wonder how many would be called slothful servants today who don't do anything. You know what the Great Commission is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 20? Go ye therefore, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's the Great Commission. Now, whose commission do that? Some people say, well, that's the preacher's responsibility. That's the elder's responsibility. That's the deacon's responsibility. No, that's everyone's responsibility as a Christian. That great commission is ours as the church. The church is to carry the gospel. There are people that are going to be lost. We might ask the question about God being responsible for the lost condition of man. But in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2, Isaiah the prophet wrote long ago, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Isaiah told Israel that the Lord's hand was not shortened. They thought that, you know, there's something wrong. The Lord can save people. They thought maybe his ear may be heavy. He wasn't listening to them. But he was listening. But you see, it was their sins that had separated between them and their God. That's the same thing that happens today. Sin has separated man from God. God doesn't hear him. God is not one that's going to answer that sinner's prayer. God listened to his children. There's also, God will not be responsible, but some people think so. I've heard people say, well, God is this theory of predestination. God has not predestinated that anyone would be lost. But God's word predestinates that everyone that obeys the plan of salvation will be saved. It's not God's will for anyone to be lost. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the Lord's plan. But some people think, well, He's predestinated. He's not. God loves every man. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. God doesn't respect people. God has not made any uh, predestination about people that are going to be saved but it's to those that obey the plan of salvation. There was a time, sometimes people say today, well, preacher, I just don't understand the Bible, and I think if I don't understand this book that you have, then I'm just going to the judgment. I'm going to say, I didn't understand it. 
Well, I got news for that person because in Acts 17, verse 30, Peter wrote, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth men everywhere to repent. God's not going to overlook ignorance. There's no way that you can say that I was ignorant, I didn't understand it. There's plenty of Christians today willing to go out and tell everyone and explain to them the gospel plan of salvation. There's no way that man can live this life and not go to a congregation and sit in the pew and understand what his responsibility is to obey the gospel. That can be explained. That can be explained by radio, by TV, even by the computers. There's no reason for man to be ignorant. God's not going to overlook it. It once was. It says he once winked at it. Not any longer. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter wrote, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all that should come to repentance. You see, Peter knew that he was long-suffering. It's certain that God's not going to be responsible for man's lost condition, but some people think, well, you know, Christ could be responsible. As the scripture is just read by Brother Gordon, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost, how could you lay such a charge against him? The one that gave his life's blood for you, the one that carried the cross, bared the cross, they spit in his face, they placed a crown of thorns upon his head. How could you lay such a charge and say, You're guilty? You're the one that's guilty of my lost condition. No, it's not Christ. See, in 1 John chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 8 and 10, through 10, it says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word, his word is not in us. Now, how many people today would say, well, I've never done anything wrong, I've, uh, everything in my life's okay, but they're not members of the church, they're far past age accountability, and you know that they can understand and read and write. Well, some people are going to be deceived. Some people don't want to understand. Some people don't want to see their own mistakes. You know, it's so much easier for people to see the mistakes of someone else than the mistakes of their own selves. But we need to look at ourselves. We need to see where we are. His blood was shed for the mission of sins, according to Matthew 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now Christ has made every plan possible, done everything in His part that He can do for man. Now how can you blame Christ saying, you know, it's, it's your responsibility for my lost condition? He's not responsible. Matter of fact, in Hebrews, the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, Though He were a son... Yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation 
unto all them that obey him. You get that, don't you? He's the author of eternal salvation. Anytime a person is author of a book, you don't have any right to tamper with that book. You don't have no right to change that book. We don't have any authority to change the plan of salvation. He is the author of that salvation. We don't change it. Matter of fact, we comply with it and obey it in order to be saved. The Lord is not going to be responsible and we can't blame Him. Now some people may think, what about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's the third person of the Godhead. Uh, why not blame Him for our lost condition? You know, everyone wants to put the blame on someone. Why not blame Him? Well, Revelation 22, verse 17. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is a thirst, and whosoever will, let him come take of the water of life freely. Well, doesn't that say that the Spirit and the bride say, Come? The Holy Spirit... And of course, the bride being the church, they have the invitation to invite people to obey the gospel, to be saved in heaven. Yes, they do. So we can't blame the Holy Spirit because we're lost. What about the angels in heaven? Some people say, well, you know, I can't blame God, I can't blame Christ, can't blame the Holy Spirit, but now the angels in heaven, they're responsible. Matter of fact, some people probably never come across Luke chapter 15 at verse 7. Likewise, there shall be joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine just that need no repentance. The angels in heaven, when one sinner comes forth saying, I have sinned, I want to rededicate my life to Christ, I want forgiveness of the church, I want their prayers, I'm ready to rededicate my life, those, those angels in heaven are rejoicing over that one sinner more than over ninety and nine that don't need repentance. They love to see one come home. Why don't people do that? When they're seeing their life, the Lord is happy. The angels are happy. God is happy. Well, some people have said... Uh, Preacher, it's the church members that caused me to be the way I am. It's the church members that have caused me not to obey the gospel. But how can that be? When, our great, when the Great Commission commissions us to go out and to teach and to baptize those people, that's what we're doing. You know, there is money set aside for the gospel to be carried into all the world. And that's what's being done today. I don't see how anyone can blame the church as, as they claim that, you know, I'm lost because of them. Well, then again, there are people that are in this world today that are not teaching the Word of God. They're not teaching the truth. You know, John 8.32 says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm satisfied that that's the only thing that will free man from his sins is obeying the absolute truth. But here we find that there are people going out into the world today and, 
and they, uh, they preach things that are not true, and they tell people things that won't be of value to them, and people listen to them. You know, there are all kinds of people that will be lost. We can look back to Luke chapter uh, 16, verses 19 through 31. The rich man. The Bible says that he wound up in a terrible place. You see, there was a poor beggar that was brought and laid at his gate. And that beggar begged from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the Bible tells us that both of them died. And the rich man lifted his eyes up in torment. And Lazarus was carried to Abraham's bosom. And the Bible tells us that Lazarus could see, that, uh, that the rich man could see Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom. And he said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me. You see, he knew what it was to be lost because he was lost. He wasn't saved. Matter of fact, he wanted Lazarus to cool his tongue because he told Abraham, he said, I'm tormented in this flame. Send Lazarus that he may dip, tip his finger in water and cool my tongue. I need some comfort. Father Abraham told him there wasn't going to be no passing. You see, there's a great gulf fix, Mr. Rich Man, that there are no one that can pass from hence to thence to you. Well, that didn't work. But he, he realized, he said, Father Abraham, I've got five brethren in my father's house. I wonder if they wasn't just like he was. So he said, send someone back to my five brethren. But you see, Father Abraham said, they got Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. If they won't believe them, they wouldn't be persuaded, though that one rose from the dead. People won't be convinced today. But the only thing that we've got to convince people is this Bible, this Word of God. It's the truth. It's convincing. You know, we've eliminated everybody but ourselves. But man, is, if he's lost, he's going to have to look at himself. In 1 Peter chapter 5, at verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You see, Satan is trying to devour the church. He's trying to devour Christians. He's trying to depopulate heaven and overpopulate hell. That's what he wants to do. That's his aim. But you see, you have a responsibility. You're a free moral agent. You can say, like Peter, get behind me. You remember that Satan desired to have Peter? They could sift him as wheat. Or he desires to have all Christians. But you don't have to let him have you. You can be faithful. In James chapter 4, verse 17, says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good 
and him that doeth it not, him is sin. You know, life is short. In just a few decades, you, I, we will all go to that long journey and to that eternal home. There's no way of saying that I'm staying here forever because I've never seen anyone do that as long as I've lived. And you haven't either. And you've never heard of it. All of us are going to die. Hebrews 9.27 As it is appointed unto man once to die after death then the judgment. I don't know what kind of condition your soul's in tonight but you do. The Lord does. It's between you and the Lord, and you're going to the judgment. I don't know if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become a Christian tonight. We pray that you will. The gospel has been preached. You heard it. Believe it with all of your heart. Confess Christ and be baptized for the mission of your sins. How important is that? That's the most important thing that you'll ever do in this life is become a Christian. Prepare your soul for an eternal abode. You know, our Lord said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33, He that will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. He that will deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. You have the opportunity tonight to confess Christ before men and be baptized. The baptism is ready. The clothes are ready. There's men, women that are ready to assist you. The only problem is you need to come. Let it be known. If you've already done that but erred from the truth, come back. Be restored as an erring child of God. Those angels, according to Luke 15, 7, are waiting to rejoice. Jesus is tenderly called. Won't you come? We're together we stand while we sing.